Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Mac and Jack Sports Show, our Thursday edition, starting off our week on Northeast Tribune Sports. I'm your host, Mac, with your co-host, legendary boxing writer, Hall of Famer, Jack Hirsch. We're live on YouTube, Roku TV, Facebook, Twitter, all kinds of spots, and we'll be later, we'll be on different uh, platforms as we share our show. Uh, today on the show, folks, we have NHL uh, expert Carter B. His last name is hard to pronounce, so we just say B. He's scheduled to be in at 8.30 to give us our hockey matchups for the playoffs. So how you doing this morning, Jack? I know you just got back from Florida, back at your old place in New York. How you feeling? Yeah, I mean, a little tired. Uh, drove back and forth. I mean, uh, I still don't feel too old to drive. I mean, some people actually, they pay, you know, these for these services so they could fly in and someone else, a company, an individual drives their car down all the way. I like getting behind the wheel. I like the scenery, the atmosphere. But it is kind of a long haul. And then when you come back, you have to kind of get yourself settled and all. But I was taking a peek at sports. Sports goes around the clock, Mac. It doesn't let you take a break. No. There's no such thing as a sabbatical in sports, even Christmas Day. You, you'd think it would be a day off. The NFL announces three games on Christmas. Yes, Three yes. games. Never mind the NBA, you know. Let's see what they come up with. Yes, yes. Jack, I know you said you were going to stop at a couple places on the way back. Did you have time to do that, or or you just drive straight through? Mac, Mac, I got to go to the bathroom. Come on. I mean, I've got to make stops. I mean, you, you take it. I know you take things I say seriously, but it, you know, it has a stopping point to it. Yeah. No, I stayed a couple of nights at places along the way. And, uh, you know, it's fascinating. You see that little part of the country, you know, going Florida to New York. And it's kind sure. of nice. You pass by places like south of the border. And you're driving through Georgia. You know, there's always a sports theme. When you drive through Georgia, you think of the Atlanta Braves, you know, home of the World Series winners. And it's kind of like, it, to me, it's still enjoyable to get behind the wheel and to and drive. Don't, and don't forget the Georgia Bulldogs, the national championship also. You know, Jack you're right. You're right. I don't know why I only thought of the Braves. But Georgia's mm -hmm. going to be in the house tonight, that's for sure. No doubt, no doubt. So, Jack, a lot of stories happen while we're off from Sunday or through uh, Monday through Thursday. And I kind of want to wrap up the Nets season and the Nets in, in general, because to me, this is the most fascinating story, not only in basketball, but sports. So much has happened in the last year with the Nets. And the players, all the players, the coach, the front office, everything is involved uh, with the Nets. As we know, the Celtics swept the Nets four games to zero. But this started way back when, when the Nets were supposedly the favorites to go to the championship. Kyrie and KD kind of got together. And they wanted to, like, start their own super team, right? KD was in a couple championships with the Golden State Warriors, uh, which he won, which he was part of a very good team. So he really never carried a team into the championship. Kyrie Irvin was part of a championship team 
but he was with LeBron James. And we all know LeBron James was the reason why, you know, that uh, the Cleveland team went to the championship and won it. So these two guys, for some reason, are really good friends, and they're almost totally opposite each other. If you listen to them talk and how they act, they get together, and they bring over James Harden from Houston, one of the greatest scorers of all time. He comes in, and they have him play point guard. And the coach at the time of the Nets ends up getting fired, a very good coach. Kenny Atkinson, yeah. Right. And and as you said, a very good coach, kind of a disciplinarian, is organized, yeah. wants the team to win. And Kyrie meets Steve Nash. And I think I'm not too sure, Jack, but I think it was at a Hall of Fame thing. I, I, I'm almost positive. Steve Nash, to me, in my opinion, the greatest point guard in the history of the NBA. That's just my opinion. He's easily mm. in the top three. Well, my we'll opinion, have to discuss that another time, yeah. Right. But in my opinion, anyway, in my humble opinion, I think he's probably the greatest point guard in NBA history. Had of Magic Johnson and – Yes, yes. Okay, I okay. Just my opinion. Just my opinion. But he never coached before. Not, not even an assistant coach. Not even was on a staff. So they talk him into becoming the head coach. Of the uh, of the Nets in place of Atkinson, KD goes on record on a podcast says we really don't need a coach. KD could coach, I could head coach. So right it's off the said, yeah, Kyrie Irving is showing that is saying that they don't need a head coach. And as I said, James Harden joins the team. He becomes the point guard of the team instead of the shooting guard. And I think he does his part, Jack. He leads the league in assists. He plays while hurt, while KD doesn't, while Kyrie isn't able to play because he doesn't get a vaccine. That was, that was last year. Last right. So, so, so I'm just trying to build up to what ended up happening this year. So, this year, Harden says, "I want out." In 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 retrospect, I can see why, Jack. Because right there with Kyrie and KD, there was a problem mixing with the rest of the team. And KD, as people have said lately, cannot carry a team. They blame Steve Nash for not being able to coach. But I really don't hear a lot of the fans blaming Kyrie Jack. And this blows my mind. I don't understand how the guy who was a spokesperson for the team, because KD sure ain't, and neither was Harden, is the one hardly getting any of the blame when I listen to the other shows. They're blaming KD. They're blaming the coach. They're blaming everybody else but Kyrie. And this fascinates me, Jack. Why do you think Kyrie gets a pass or I should say less of the blame than anybody else. I'm not so sure he gets a pass because a lot of us in the media have been critical of him. And I think the problem is bigger than the Nets. The problem's bigger with, it, it's a sports problem where superstars on a team are basically running the team because they have so much power. 
Under normal conditions, Steve Nash would get fired because the Nets have been so disappointing and they so underachieved. But because Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant like him and they want him to stay, he's going to remain as coach of the Nets. If they wanted him to go, he would go. It's that simple. They had an outstanding coach in Kenny Atkinson, but he was a disciplinarian. He would get on the players, okay? And Kevin Durant, very sensitive individual, Mac, very sensitive. It's kind of like you have to handle him with care, okay, which Steve Nash does. So he likes Steve Nash. They respect Steve Nash in the sense that he was a great player in his own right. So they respect him. And Kyrie is Kyrie. He does his own thing. He's kind of the equivalent of the spoiled rich kid. Not a bad person, but he's just used to having a certain way, being allowed to get away with things, and no one's really calling him out on it. So he continues to do whatever. And the truth of the matter is, I mean, the Nets are a mess right now. And anyone who thinks it's going to get much better Better think again. I mean, the one potential savior for the Nets, potential would be Ben Simmons. If he plays next year, turns into the type of star we think he could be, perhaps that could turn the Nets around. But Ben Simmons has his own issues. I mean, he has a certain lack of stability, you know, and it, you know, it seems in his life, not only in his basketball career, and with Kyrie Irving, he's just been given too much power on that team. It's ridiculous. I mean, what the Nets need more than anything is a coach who's going to come down very hard on every single player. Hypothetically, if Kevin Durant doesn't like it because they're coming down too hard on his friend Kyrie, you tell him you don't like it, Kevin. What's your alternative? You could stay home and not get paid. We're continuing. I mean, it's like when LeBron James complained to Pat Riley about Eric Spolstra when James was with the Miami Heat. Riley, to his credit, let James know he's going to be here longer than you are. They backed the coach completely, and they were better off for it. Okay, and that Miami Heat team even went to the playoffs and went to the finals uh, after James had even left. Yeah. And... Kyrie Irving, <clears throat> I don't understand it with the fans. They have this thing during the vaccination, free Kyrie, like he's held a prisoner. He made a choice. I'm not even condemning Kyrie for his choice. No. He doesn't want to get vaccinated. That's his business. But you also have to know the rules and regulations that said you can't play. If you don't, you accept it. I don't want to get vaccinated. I accept the rules. I made a value judgment in that sense. But the vaccinations are no longer an issue. I saw the net game Monday night from my hotel room, and it was awful. And one of the commentators is making an excuse. Well, if the Nets had Joe Harris, his three-point shooting, the toughness, it wouldn't have made a difference in the series. Maybe in game one when they lost at the buzzer, you never know. They had Joe Harris last year. And they lost four out of their last five to the Milwaukee Bucks because Joe Harris had a hard time hitting a basket, okay? They're three-point specialists. And, Mac, things are not going to get better the way the Nets are unless 
the coaching gets better. The coaching comes down hard on the guys and basically pushes the guys extra, extra hard. Okay. Yeah. Extra hard doesn't take any nonsense from Kyrie or Durant when Durant gets sensitive and the players know who's the boss and that's the coach. Okay. And as long as Steve Nash is a coach and the way the team is constituted, they're not going to go anywhere. Just one thing strategically, LaMarcus Aldridge, why wasn't he playing? He's a weapon off the bench. He was outstanding early in the year when he played, but he's glued to the bench, the combinations that are put down on the court. I just don't like it. And it's not going to get much better next year, Mac, unless somehow Ben Simmons turns into an absolute superstar. Well, you mentioned Ben. You mentioned Simmons. I mean, we've seen this with Philadelphia. When Philadelphia tried to keep Simmons, and they were negotiating, Sims, Simmons was, well, I need to do this, and I need to do that, and I can't – I'm not ready. And I don't know if the Nets thought it would change by him going there. I think they really believed that Simmons just didn't want to play for the 76ers. I don't think I don't think Simmons wants to play for anybody but LA when he first came out. This is this is where he wanted to go. But anyway, I mean, during that series, Simmons was doing four on fours. He was practicing. First, he said his back hurt. Then he said his back is better. Then he said mentally he couldn't do it again. I mean, what? I, this is why it's fascinating to me, Jack. Because not only do they have a problem with Kyrie KD and a coach that doesn't know how to make adjustments during the game because he's never done it before, but you have this guy in waiting who's a superstar but really doesn't know what's wrong with himself. He, he doesn't – in fact, he said his mental problems is what causes back to hurt. So I don't know who he's seeing – I don't know what's going on. I know the agent went right after the game and talked to the Nets front office and said, listen, we, he wants to play for the 76ers. You know, he still wants to, he wants to play next year. So they're trying to keep it friendly. And they said, what, what are the 76ers going to do? I mean, they, they, they traded for him. So they're in a position with that. They better hope Ben Simmons can come back next year. Are they paying him while he sits on the bench? Are they paying him while he's uh, in in his whatever uh, world he's in right now? I'm not sure. I don't know, but I would imagine they are, or he, or he wouldn't be there. So, I mean, this is why it's so fat. There's so many parts going, Jack. And if you heard the latest this week, right after the game, Kyrie Irving said him and KD – will help manage the team. They're going to help the owner and GM. They're going to be right alongside of him to help manage the team. I, I just don't know what to say anymore. Matt, Mac, I will say this. I mean, coaching makes all the difference. You're talking about the players now. Do you re realize last year in the playoffs, this Celtic team that basically had the same personnel as this year lost to the Nets Four games to one in the playoffs last year. One year later, they sweep them for nothing, basically with the same talent. Yes. But the coaching was the difference. They played differently. I mean, it was Steve Nash that was overmatched. Steve Nash only got his job because 
Durant and Kyrie wanted him to have it. That's their hand-picked guy because he'll leave them alone. He'll make nice to them. He'll take their suggestions. I, I don't mean Steve Nash doesn't sometimes push back gently behind closed doors with the two of them saying, guys, I think we need to do this or that. But it's as if Steve Nash needs the approval of Durant and Kyrie. And the Nets need a coach who doesn't give a darn what Durant and Kyrie says. He basically says, this is what we have to do, guys. You guys got to buy into this. You got to buy in and, and convince them to buy into it. I well, mean, I, yeah. I think Kyrie's got to sign a contract uh, extension coming up. If you're the Nets owner, what do you do? You say, do you cut ties with this guy? I would. I'd cut ties with this guy. This this guy, and if KD wants to follow, so be it. KD already signed the extension. Kyrie's coming up on one. But let me let me throw this to you, Mac. Uh, we both agree the way the Nets are constituted, they're not going to win an NBA championship. Not even come close. But part, basketball also is an entertainment business. And I'll be honest about it. I enjoy watching Kyrie Irving on the court. He's a dynamic player. He's an entertaining player. If you're a spectator and you go to a net game, you enjoy watching Durant and Irving on the court. They give the team a certain pizzazz, a certain charisma. The Nets are relevant even though they're not winning a championship. They're box office. If you're in another city, of all the teams you want to see your team play, the Nets, you know, might even head the list of all of them because their box office with Durant, Kyrie, and the game's enjoyable. I remember the Nets when they didn't have the name, guys. You know, you get rid of Durant, you get rid of Kyrie, and who do you really have? You could have a mediocre team that makes the playoffs, but it's not the same. And if you can get equal value for Kyrie or close to it, yeah, I move on from him, but you're not going to get – Equal value. You're not going to call the Portland Trail Blazers and say, oh, give me Damian Lillard for Kyrie. You know, I mean, you're not improving yourself doing that. Even with the Knicks, I mean, would the Knicks give R.J. Barrett to the Nets for Kyrie? I would consider that if I were the Nets. But I don't think the Knicks are going to do it. I think the other teams are smart enough to know you get Kyrie, you're getting someone who's going to create an unstable situation, okay? Mm-hmm. Maybe not so much for the team, but in regards to himself. Uh, he's not he's not dependable. And you don't know what Durant, and they're scared if Kyrie gets traded, Durant's going to want out the first chance he gets. And listen, with Harden too. Harden had the hamstring injury last year. Keep this in mind. Harden's struggling a little bit with the Sixers right now. He hasn't been a superstar. Maybe that hamstring issues affected him. Maybe he's starting his decline as a player. He's not quite the impact player he was before. Okay. I agree with that. I agree with that. I I, I definitely agree with that. Um, So, as 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 we kind of wrap up the nets and 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 I you know I understand what you're saying about entertainment value I, that's all well and good but I think the bottom line for our owner is to win a championship I think he that's 
that's where you make your bread and butter as far as making the most money you can. With Kyrie there, they're not going to win a championship. To me, it's it's plain as the nose on anybody's face if they want to look at it. And you say he's great to watch on the court. I'm telling you, Jack, during the, the, the Celtic games, Kyrie Irvin was not playing his best. Kyrie Irvin, I seen him give up a couple times on the court that I watched the games. He gave up. He had his hands on his hips and wasn't hustling. And the last game, he took almost all of it off to the fourth quarter. So, you know, I, I don't know if Kyrie Irvin is – he might be talented. He might be a very talented man. He may be top 10 talented. But that don't transfer over to the, to the, to the, to the game when you're in a big game. You know, he can score 40 points against the Knicks. whoop de doo Score 40 points against, you know, the uh, the uh, the 76ers. Score 40 points against the Celtics. Now you're talking and not play defense. So, I, you know, I don't know, Jack. I, I, I just know that the Nets, with Kyrie Irving there, will never, never win a championship. And if he's going to go help the coach and owner or thinks he is, I hope the owner grows a pair. Matt, if we're starting a team for one year, one year we have a chance to coach a team and we're offered, you know, the duo of either uh, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum or Kyrie and Kevin Durant. We go with Brown and Tatum. We go with Brown and Tatum because they're going to present more of a winning formula. No doubt. Uh, Durant and Irving might put up better numbers, actually, perhaps marginally better numbers, perhaps. And but you go with Brown and Tatum there. The Celtics were struggling early in the year. People forget that the Celtics were struggling badly. They had team meetings. They got it together. The players, the players communicated. They were on the same page. And. You know what gets me with the Nets? The Nets had such a good bench. You know, it seemed like they were getting every every marginal, decent bench player they seemed to be getting, okay? And the Nets seemed to be loaded, not just in their starting lineup, you know, with the rest of the team as well. And then you see the playoffs unfold against the Celtics. The bench seemed thin, and everything seemed off, and... Again, in the NBA, when you talk about coaching, it's important in every single sport. But sometimes, I mean, your most valuable person is your coach. I mean, even more so than a superstar player on the sport. How they move pieces, how they get you to buy in, how hard they get you to play defense. That doesn't show up in the box score the little extra effort you're putting on on defense, you know, running down the court, communicating with your teammates. And uh, it's a problem with the Nets. It's, it's, and it's just, I don't see this as an aberration, Mac, that, oh, you know, they'll come back next year. Kyrie Irving will be that training camp in the beginning and things will be so much better. I just don't see that. You know what I what I what I noticed the most about the Celtics series was that even if the Nets were ahead at the first half, the Celtics made the adjustments. They made the defensive adjustments. They 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 moved the ball around a lot more than the Nets did. The Nets oh, yeah. at the end of the game, 
They one on one. KD versus whoever, Kyrie against whoever, and the Nets were ready for it. They were ready yeah. for it, and Steve Nash did not have the power, ready, yeah, or the knowledge to make those adjustments. And and it was just, it was it was even so even though some of the games were close, there was no doubt in my mind who was going to win that series. I didn't think they sweep them, but there was no doubt going in who was going to win that series. So. Uh, the Celtics will be moving on to take on the Bucks. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Should be a great series. A little bit about the Lakers. Let's before Carter gets in here. Lakers. A little bit because I want about them. I want to kind of I want to kind of wrap that up, and it's not going to take long. Again, to me, a lot of the same problems with the Lakers as there were with the Nets. You had a front office that went along with LeBron James and. Uh, Davis, the front office is now blaming the agency that Davis and LeBron belong to for uh, the Westbrook uh, acquisition. Now, I know LeBron has a lot of power. I know Davis does, and they're represented by the same agent. But that doesn't excuse the Lakers front office from doing what they did. They had the last say. They could have turned it. They could have said no. And LeBron too bad, and the Davis too bad. We're not going to go get Westbrook. We're going to get, say, Chad Durant, who was who was who was available. They could have done that. So to me, what what this says to me about the Lakers organization, you know, despite last year, Jay, did you say Jay Morant? Yes. He was no, he wouldn't have been available. Memphis wasn't going to part ways with him. That wasn't happening. No, sorry, 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 it's the Chicago Bulls star. Uh, star. My my bad, Jack. My bad. Uh-huh. Star for the Chicago Bulls. You're right, not Jim Morant. You're right. I'm trying to remember the guy's name right now. It's slipping my mind. I don't think uh, they would have traded Jay Morant for uh, LeBron even up. No, no, there was no trade. There was there was a chance yeah. the Chicago Bulls could were the player that signed with Chicago. I'm trying to remember their number one key player. I got a brain freeze right now. Uh, he was he wanted to Rose in. Yes, to Rose. He wanted to go to Lakers, and the Lakers signed Westbrook instead. Now I don't know if he would have made the Lakers any better, but it sure would have made him younger. But here's the front office blaming, internally blaming the agency for that move, and I think the Lakers front office is a very weak office, Jack. Very weak. And I don't care how great LeBron James or Davis is, same thing as the Nets. You've got to do what you think is best for the team. <laughs> Mac, you just put the greatest idea in my head. You were talking about Kyrie Irving, where he could get traded. Where have you gone, KY Land? Uh, the NBA <laughs> turns its lonely eyes to you, KY right. Leonard. They're probably fed up with him in L.A., the Clippers. They're probably fed up. Him for Kyrie Irving up, even up. Similar talent, similar players, even value. You get rid of Kyrie, they'll take him. The Clippers probably make that deal. They'll match him with Paul George, the Clippers. And K.Y., if he decides to play and you match him with Durant, that changes the chemistry. What a deal. I am playing GM here, Mac. There you go. I'm on the phone. If I'm the Clippers and I'm the Nets, I'm on the phone. Let's communicate. Let's get this done. Hey, hey listen. 
What a, a bad deal. Idea. KY bad... should be ready to play next year. You would think so, but we never hear nothing from KY. And if, KY... if they don't KY... want Kyrie, I'll inquire, you know, are you guys interested in Ben Simmons then? You yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, bring him over. So uh, we got the NHL uh, expert Carter B doing it in a few minutes. I want to talk a little bit about a bench uh, clearing brawl, Jack, with the Mets and the St. Louis Cardinals last night. Um, it seems that the pitchers in in baseball are throwing at the Mets batters, I think it's 19 times. They lead the league and get hit by pitchers. Um, St. Louis threw at uh, J.D. Davis, who hit him in the foot. He had to be taken out of the game. And the Mets pitcher, of course, comes high and tight into – I think it's Andredo. I'm, I'm, I hope I'm pronouncing it right. Or Andredo. And a fight breaks out. Not a big fight. You know, how the, you know how the Major League Baseball normally is. There's a lot of, you know, grabbing and hustling, tussling. There's not too many shots thrown in most fights. Some, some get in some good licks. But do you, do you think the Mets uh, or the Mets were right to throw Hyde inside after they just hit – their batter who had to be taken out of the game and have been thrown at all year. All of the pitchers are thrown at the, the Mets batters. Is this a, is this one of those instances where you would agree with what the what the Mets did? You know, I it's not so easy to agree, disagree. I hold Major League Baseball accountable to commissioner's office. The disciplinary actions are so weak that players could get away with it. Think of how dangerous that is, throwing a ball by someone's head. What are they going to do? Wait for someone to actually get killed and die? And then Major League Baseball is going to be very, very tough in what they do. I mean, even think of something that was done absolutely outrageous years ago. Remember when Armando Benitez drilled Tino Martinez in the back? Everyone knew that was deliberate with a fastball, drilled him between the shoulder blades, and he got only an eight-game suspension. You deliberately throw the ball at someone, and you deliberately hit them. I mean, I'm for coming down. Suspend the guy half the season without pay. Send a message. Scare the heck out of them that they're not going to throw at anyone. And also, okay, Everyone always claims it's an accident. The ball slips out of their hand. I, I love Paul Quantrill years ago, a Yankee pitcher. He deliberately hit a batter in retaliation because the Yankees were being thrown at. And they asked him, did you deliberately, you know, hit the batter? And he said, no, the ball slipped out of my hand the same way it accidentally slipped out of theirs. Yeah. One time I forgot who the pitcher was. He claimed he deliberately hit someone. He said, why lie about it? And they suspended him for five games when he normally wouldn't have been suspended. Uh, I, think, I think Earl Weaver had it right a lot of years ago. If, if you can't control your pitches and you hit someone X amount of times, you get suspended. Let's say it's in a player's career. You've hit someone five times, five times pitching the ball, you're suspended for 25 games without pay once you hit them a fifth time. You hit someone in the head one time, okay? It comes to their face area, automatic 10-game suspension. You throw, and they have to duck 
the ball goes under their head, you're suspended for three games. That's something. It's got to be the fir most firm disciplinary actions to get it to stop because everyone knows these beanball things are going on and it's dangerous business, Mac. And well, the commissioner's well, office does nothing about it. Well, we'll discuss this further. But backstage right now, we caught Carter B with our NH NHL uh, update. And uh, let's do a little bit of this, Jack. Yes, sir. Good old hockey game, Carter. Uh, so we got Carter B in, our NHL analyst, expert. Talk a little bit about the NHL. Carter, uh, Carter it looks like we're finally getting to where we know who's going to play. Uh, I mean, I think there's a couple games left um, where maybe something could happen. But pretty much we know who's playing who. Uh, so I want to talk to you a little bit about the matchups that are projected in the playoffs coming up here soon and the thing i've the thing i've noticed is that no matter where as you said no matter where you're seated and what the regular season is there are some teams still that are favorites even though they're lower seeds and and let me let me get to a, a couple of these first here um toronto and tampa bay are supposed to be a matchup toronto has a very good team, we know. Tampa Bay is is built to win a championship. Um, so when you see a matchup like this, Carter, are you looking for Toronto? To, would this be considered an upset, even though they had a better seed, than Tampa if Toronto was to put Tampa Bay away this year? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think, um, you know, I don't really think seeding matters in a matchup like this. I think you look at Tampa and obviously they've, um, you know, they've won the last two Stanley cups. And I think anytime that, you know, the defending champ gets, uh, gets eliminated from the postseason, I think it's an upset no matter what round it is or what, you know, what game it is in that series. So, um, you know, especially for a Leafs team that that's had some trouble closing out some, uh, you know, some series in the past, it's, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how this one plays out. I mean, um, obviously Toronto has been a lot better defensively this year. So I think that's why a lot of people, uh, you know, maybe have them flipping the script this year and kind of, um, you know, maybe getting rid of those playoff teams a little bit, but at the same time, you, you really can't underestimate the team that's won the last two Stanley cups. So, so, so what has changed this year? You said Toronto got better defensively. But has anything changed for Tampa Bay? I mean, is their offense down a little bit? Have they lost some key players or even some some players that just contribute that maybe maybe they're not playing as well during the regular season as they did last year? Um. Yeah. I mean, obviously they uh, you know they they lost their whole third line uh, last off season, which really uh, you know that was kind of the driving force to you know, to help them win those two Stanley Cups. And, um, 
they uh, they went out and they got Nick Paul from Ottawa at the deadline. He's been really good for them. Uh, Brandon Hagel from Chicago, he's been solid for them as well. And, um, you know, I think they've done a good job at trying to kind of recreate that third forward line that, you know, um, that was so instrumental in helping Tampa win back-to-back. And, um, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, I mean, Tampa might not be as deep as they were offensively the past two postseasons, but, um, you know, they still have an amazing offensive core. Their defense is still as strong as it was. And, you know, as long as you have Andre Vasilevsky and Ned, who had four shutouts in every clinching game in each series last year, it, it's going to be hard to to bounce Tampa from the postseason. Carter, what about Austin Matthews? Uh, what did they do about him? Uh, just hope he doesn't run around and dominate yet, I guess. Uh, 60 you know. goals for, you know, Toronto. It's been a lot of years since someone put up, you know, 6-0. Yeah, it's, uh, it's been 10 years since we've had a 60-goal score, and the last one was Stamkos, who plays for the Lightning. So, um, yeah, again, it's going uh, to be really interesting to see how this matchup plays out. Uh, the big thing I'm really looking for is Matthews and Marner to show up in the playoffs this year. Uh, you know, Matthews was okay in the postseason last year against the the Canadians in the first round, but Marner was really nowhere to be found. Um, so, you know, if the Leafs are going to beat Tampa, they need their stars to be their stars. And, uh, you know, I'm a little concerned about their goaltending too. I don't really know who's going to be the starter for Toronto in game one, but, um, you know, that, that's, uh, that's a bridge they'll cross when they come to it. So we'll have to wait and see how it plays out. Well, you got, you got Florida versus Washington. Uh, the Capitals are solid. I mean, they're a good team. They're not great, but they're a good team. They can they can skate with almost anybody. Is there any way that they have a chance on beating that strong Florida team? I mean, they would have to – you know, Carter, I think it has to do a lot like football with will, right? I mean, you got to impose your will on the other team in, in some way, whether – whether it's skating faster than them or skating harder than them or checking harder than them, front checking. I mean, anything you can do to gain that little edge. Um, can you see Washington maybe doing that against Florida? Um, honestly, I, I'm not sure. Uh, you know, Florida has been an amazing team, both at home and on the road. Um, you know, I think the key for the Capitals is not to go down 0-2 going back to Washington for game three. Uh, you know, if they can split at least one game in Florida, I think they'll be in a good position to. Is out, Carter? Uh, for now, yeah, he's uh, he's got a lower body injury. I don't think he's playing tonight against the uh, against the New York Islanders. So, um, you know, if uh, if they're missing him going into Game One, that's definitely gonna, you know, definitely gonna hurt the Caps. I mean, we all know what Ovechkin can do offensively and what he does for that Capitals team, both at even strength and the power play. So. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, again, I think the big thing for Washington is just being able to split in Florida because, you know, if you go down 0-2 in that series, I mean, you know, the, uh, the Panthers look like they have that killer instinct this year where, you know, you, if you, if you turn the puck over, you create chances for the Panthers, they're going to bury you. And, uh, this won't be a long series for the Capitals if they do that. Carolina versus Boston, Boston has had some games that they look really good, some games not so good. They were kind of up and down. At the end of the year, they kind of they kind of equaled it out a little bit, kind of ran a little more steady. Um, what do you what are your predictions for this? Do you think it's going to be a tight series, or do you think Carolina just has their number and they're going to win? Um, I don't know. I mean, originally I thought you know, I mean, you look at the regular season series. Carolina beat them all three games and. 
Um, you know, the, the Canes just look dominant in every single game they've played. So, uh, you know, I, I think obviously most people are going to look at that and think Carolina is going to win fairly easily. But, um, you know, as we all know, the regular season series doesn't mean much when it comes to playoff hockey, right? So, uh, if I'm going to be honest, I think this is the most likely matchup where the wild card seed could upset the division winner, at least in the Eastern Conference anyway. Um, I still have Carolina moving on. I think they beat Boston in either a six or seven game series, but I think this is going to be a lot closer than some people think. Interesting. Interesting. So we get to your favorite team, the New York Rangers against the Pittsburgh uh, Penguins. Um, The Rangers are still a young team, right, Carter? So, I mean, do you think the moment gets too big for them uh, in the playoffs? Or do you think with that goalie that they've had, a couple goalies that they've had, playing very well, and of course their offense is very good, do you think think that they'll be able to get by Pittsburgh? Uh, I'm going to be honest. I mean, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh's a good team. I think a lot of people are really underestimating, uh, you know, their team in general. And, um, you know, when you have guys like Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, Chris Letang, it's, uh, it's so hard to just count them out, even against a Rangers team that's looked really, really good at certain points this year. So, um, but I, I think one thing, obviously the Rangers have going for them is the way that Igor Shesterkin has been playing. Uh, I, I mean, I think I speak for a lot of people when I say I think the Rangers are going to go as far as Shesterkin can take them. So uh, I, I think it's all going to depend on how Igor plays, and this is going to be his first uh, his first Stanley Cup playoffs as a uh, as a legitimate starter in the NHL. So um, you know we'll have to wait and see how he plays Game One because obviously you know uh, regular season hockey is very different from you know playoff hockey. So. Uh, I, I mean, if, you know, answering the question about um about young players kind of shine away from the moment, I don't really see that happening with the Rangers. Uh, I mean, I think guys like Adam Fox are kind of built for the big moment. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens with uh, Kako and Lafreniere during their first playoff run in the NHL. So um, I'm going to be honest. I mean, this one might be the, the toughest series to predict, at least in the Eastern Conference anyway. So, uh I don't know if I have an answer. Oh, the Carter, right what do the Rangers need to do to make you a believer, not just a temporary believer? Like beating the Penguins makes you a temporary believer, but then the next series comes along and chances are you don't pick the Rangers to win, even though you might. What do they need to do to let you and the rest of the league to know they're actually for real? Because – you know, early in the year, we heard the same thing. They'll go only as far as their goalkeeping will take them. And that was before the midway point. And their goalkeeping's been taking them all the way this far. Why Why shouldn't it continue? Just Sturkin has been sensational. Yeah, but again, this is going to be his first postseason as a starter in the NHL, right? I mean, you know, experience is huge in the playoffs, especially with goaltending. So, um but again, I mean, you know, I mentioned before, guys like Fox and, uh, you know, some of their other young guns are built for the postseason. I think Igor is built for the postseason as well. But, you know, I mean, obviously I can't be right about everything. So we, we'll have to wait and see what happens with that. Uh, and again, I mean, I, I really don't think you can underestimate this Pittsburgh team with the offense that they've had. They've had a really strong year in their own right, even though they're third in the Metro. Um, so again, I mean... Uh, 
you know, I, I really don't think Pittsburgh is a team that, you know, should be taken lightly. They're a good team, and I could definitely see them going deep if they, you know, if they get the right uh, puck luck during this series. Well, I know Igor played a little bit last year uh, during the playoffs and the Rangers got in, but he did have some bad moments. They, 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 he, did, he did seem shook last year, so I think that's going to help him out, Carter, this year. I think that little bit of experience he got last year playing the playoffs will help him out a little bit. It seems to have helped him out this year anyway, um, playing the regular season. So he did get a little bit of experience. He, did, uh, he didn't do too well, if I remember correct, during the playoffs. Uh, they had to turn to the other two goalies a couple times. So uh, hopefully uh, that that kind of got him a little bit harder. So so let's get to the West. Now you got, of course, you got Colorado against Dallas. Um, is there any way Dallas beats uh, Colorado? Uh, Absolutely Colorado? not. I didn't think so either. I, I I don't think there's even that's even well. Actually, based on the standings right now, Colorado would still play Nashville. Uh, okay. Dallas is in the first wild card. Oh, sorry, I don't sorry. care who's in that second wild card. Colorado's not losing in the first round. I give it five games max. I mean, okay. do you have a problem with the way Dallas snuck into the playoffs? They got their one point they needed for their game to go into overtime yesterday. And they didn't care whether they lost in overtime or not. I know Mac is old school. You play to win no matter what. And Dallas got their point. And once it got into overtime, they were basically celebrating. Even their coach said he couldn't care less whether they won or lost the game. At that point, isn't that kind of backing into the playoffs? Uh, I mean, I, I didn't hear anything about that, but um, I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I guess as long as they got that point, it doesn't really matter. Right. So, um, you know, not that it mattered much anyway, but Vegas lost last night anyway. So realistically speaking, even if Dallas lost in regulation, I don't think I don't think they would have, you know, gone that night without celebrating at all. I still think they would have gotten in. So. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, certain people can look at it the way that they want to, but at the end of the day, Dallas got in, Vegas didn't, and, you know, the, the playoff picture set from now. Yeah, I'm sorry. It was Dallas is playing Calgary. Calgary was, uh, was really hot in the beginning, kind of cooled off, caught fire again. Um, Calgary versus Dallas. What are you looking for there, uh, Carter? Uh, I'm going to be honest. I mean, you know, this I, I think this could be a pretty close series if it turns out to be one in the opening round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. I think, um, you know, the the big thing for Calgary is I think they want redemption. Um, you know, these two teams played each other in the bubble uh, in 2020 and uh, Dallas wound up beating them in six games after going down two games to none. So, uh, you know, this is a, this is a strong Calgary team this year. I really think this team can make some noise in the playoffs and. I think the biggest thing for them is they don't have to match up against Colorado until the Western Conference final, right? So, um, you know, going down the opposite side of that bracket, I think the Flames have a lot of favorable matchups that, um, you know, with with the way that they're built, with the way Darryl Sutter coaches, uh, I, I definitely think the Flames could go far in the playoffs if, uh, you know, if they wind up getting the right matchups. Another Canadian team, yeah, I remember last year we said the Canadian the Canadian division it wasn't really called that, but that's what it really was. Was pretty weak, and that's why you know uh, the Canadians went on, even though they went on that tear. Uh, why none of these other teams got in here? But the Edmonton Oilers playing the LA Stars. Uh, what do you think about? Do you think Edmonton uh, is legit, Carter? 
or or do you think that you know just because of the division they were in is one of the reasons they got in? Um, I mean the the Pacific Division is fairly weak too. Not taking anything away from Edmonton, I still think they're they're a good team, not a great team, right? I mean, you know, Calgary's a great team. Edmonton's good, in my opinion. Uh, Edmonton has McDavid and Drysaddle up front, and after that, it's a bunch of AHL caliber players and players that probably shouldn't be in the NHL. That's just my personal opinion. Um, you know, people uh, people look at the Oilers' depth and maybe think they can go on a run this year. I don't see that happening. I think if they run into Calgary in the second round, they get absolutely demolished. So, um, but again, the, the, you know, you're not focusing about the second round in the you know in the first round series. I mean, uh, LA is going to be a tough matchup. They got two good defensive centers in Kopitar and Dano that can shut down McDavid and Drysaddle. So. I'm just concerned about that. I mean, if you know, if if McDavid and Drysaddle were managed to be shut down last year against a Winnipeg team that yeah. really didn't have any notable defensive forwards out there, uh, it, it'll be a little bit concerning if they get shut down for a second consecutive season. But we'll have to wait and see how it plays out. Minnesota versus St. Louis, uh, Carter. Um, Minnesota I, is. Are you surprised? I mean, the you know St. Louis always seems to be around, uh, you know, around the playoffs, whether they get in or not. Minnesota, Minnesota to me is a very good team, but very, you know, not known to a lot of people. So what, what's your thoughts on Minnesota this year? Yeah, Minnesota's really good. They're, they look like a legitimate Stanley Cup contender. I thought last year they were good. Um you know, but maybe it was something to do with uh, with their division being relatively top heavy. Uh, but you know, they they've proved everybody wrong this year. They look like a legitimate Stanley Cup contender, and um, it's going to be important for them. They got uh, two games left in the season here, while St. Louis only has one. So uh, currently, they're tied with points right now at 109 each. So it's going to be important for Minnesota to win these final two games down the stretch and get home ice in the first round. Um, you know, I think the big thing for Minnesota this year is going to be their depth scoring. I, I think last year they kind of ran into a hot Vegas team that had two very good goalies at the time in Flurry and Leonard. Um, now Minnesota has Flurry, ironically enough, who has a lot of playoff experience. Obviously, he went to the final a few years ago with the Vegas Golden Knights. So, um, yeah, Minnesota. Minnesota looks really good this year, but at the same time, I wouldn't count out the Blues. They've, uh, you know, they've got a really good forward core. Their de uh, defense is looking as good as ever. Only thing I'm really concerned about with the Blues is their goaltending. Uh, I think Bennington's kind of dropped off a little bit this year. Uh, their backup, Vili Husso, has been really, really good for them. But, uh, you know, obviously you need your starter to be your starter in the Stanley Cup playoffs if you want to go far. Carter, all the teams are under pressure to do well. We know that. But which franchises are under the most pressure to make a decent playoff run? Not necessarily to win the cup, but who would it really be a disaster for if they got bumped, you know, in the first round? Uh, do you want me to say Toronto or should I say somebody else? <laughs> well, no, no, we know someone else, someone else besides Toronto. Um, I don't know. Let me look at the standings quick. Uh... I'll say Minnesota, I guess. Uh, I mean, you know, getting knocked out in the first round last year by, again, a, a relatively good Vegas team. Now Minnesota looks better than they were last year. So 
Um, you know, they, they forced that series to seven games. I think the expectation this year is to get out of the first round, at least, uh, you know, go to the second round and maybe even further than that. So, um, but again, St. Louis is a really good team. I think this is easily going to be the hardest series to predict for anybody in the entirety of the first round. So, um, you know, these two teams have gone neck and neck all season long. I mean, even the season series has been extremely close, even though, you know, I, I mentioned earlier, you really can't consider that when talking about the playoffs. So, um, yeah, I mean, I you know, I'd have to say Toronto for that, but I, I guess for the sake of the question, I'll go Minnesota. What team in the whole league, not necessarily the playoff teams, it could be a playoff team, has underperformed the most in the NHL this year? The biggest disappointment, and it could even be a playoff team. Um, I I don't really think any playoff teams have disappointed. I mean, not Las I, Vegas. I was going to say Vegas. Well, Vegas isn't a playoff team. Not this no, no. Year. I said it could be any team in the NHL, including a playoff team who's underperformed. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you'd have to go Vegas. I mean, with their roster and the way that they're built, you know, they're. When they're healthy, they're one of the best teams in the NHL in terms of talent. So, um, you know, they uh, they got buried a little bit by injuries to start the season, and they just never really able to to dig themselves out of that hole that they dug for themselves. Um, so, I mean, I'd absolutely have to say Vegas. I mean, if I'm picking a team from the East, too, it's got to be the Islanders. Well, with, you know with... who t- – oh, the Islanders are an obvious answer, yeah, but – uh, you know who took a gentle step towards being relevant again, and no one talks about it? The Buffalo Sabres. They improved a lot this year. I mean, would you agree? Or... Yeah, Buffalo. Uh, Buffalo's been. Uh, but Buffalo's been good down the stretch. I mean, they've. Uh, you know, even though they're not making the playoffs this year, they got Tage Thompson, yep. who's playing really good. Jeff Skinner's kind of revitalizing his career a bit. Um, you know, Rasmus Dahlin looks good. Even a guy like Owen Power, who, who, you know, made his NHL debut a few weeks ago. He's, you know, he hasn't really put up a ton of numbers offensively, but he looks good in terms of, uh, you know, in terms of just settling into the NHL and just trying to get himself ready for next year. So, um, you know, I, I don't think they make the playoffs next year, but I, I, I'd like to see Buffalo take another step ahead if I want to really call them a, uh, you know, a legitimately improved team, and would you especially say that, with that Eichel. Would you say the Philadelphia Flyers are the franchise that's in the most disarray, really sinking and, you know, not looking good as far as a turnaround? Um, I definitely don't think it looks good for them. Uh, I mean, you know, if, if we're picking a franchise that's in the, you know, the biggest dumpster fire, I guess it would have to be the Coyotes, but that's the obvious answer, so I won't say that. Um, I mean, you know, Philly just doesn't look good right now. I mean, they don't have any prospects that are really promising for the future. Uh, I probably shouldn't say that the Philly sports guy is going to get mad at me, but, uh, um, I don't know. I mean, Philly to me just doesn't, they, they don't have a ton of prospects to look forward to. They just don't, I don't know. I just don't see them being a playoff team for the next three or four years, unless they legitimately commit to a rebuild and, tear it all down and try and win again in three, four, five years. But I don't think that's what they want to do. So, um, you know, I don't know. I, I don't run the flyers. I can't comment on that. So <laughs> Carter, some great stuff this week. A lot of great analysis, especially on the matchups. 
Always glad having you in every Thursday. Have a great day. Um, if you ain't doing nothing tonight, we got a heck of a draft show here on Northeast Streaming Sports. I know you're not a huge football fan, but it's going to be a lot of fun. So, Carter, thanks for coming in as you always do. And playoffs should be going next week, my friend. We'll get this thing popping. All right, guys. I, I won't be able to make it tonight. I got tickets to the Isles game, but I, I will be back next Thursday. So we'll talk more hockey then. Sounds great, my friend. You have a take great care. day. Enjoy the game, Carter. All right, guys. Take care. There you go, folks. Carter B., our residential. That's what I call a great fan. You know, when you go to a game and your team is out of it, you're still going, Mm -hmm. you're cheering, you're trying to, you know, push. uh, Yeah. Now, Islanders have had a winning record this year, Mac. It's a disappointing year, but they have won more than they've lost, you know, even if just barely. That's true. I mean, listen, uh, if you like your team or you love your team, you love your team no matter what. And all of us have been fans of teams that have not performed well for years and still consider ourselves fans. So uh, glad to see he's there rooting on the Islanders. Folks, we'll be right back after these messages. On the other side, got a lot of sports still to talk about. We'll be right back. You worked too hard, you ate too much, the cheesecake made you greedy. Let your aching head and stomach hear this message from Old Speedy. Alka-Seltzer, plop, plop, fizz, fizz, oh, what a relief it is. Plop, plop, fizz, fizz, oh, what a relief it is. Those speedy bubbles relieve your upset stomach and headache fast. For acid indigestion alone, Alka-Seltzer gold. Oh, what a relief it is. What a relief. If you served honorably in our nation's armed forces and you're looking for a way to continue serving your fellow veterans in your community, then join AMVETS. Each year, AMVETS members volunteer millions of hours at VA healthcare facilities from coast to coast, helping to improve the lives of their fellow veterans through the VA Voluntary Services Program. AMVETS posts and departments also participate in a wide variety of community service projects, ranging from Americanism in our schools to supporting the Special Olympics and Boy Scouts of America. If you no longer wear the uniform today, you can still serve through the AMVETS by joining today at AMVETS.org. I'm here to say I am the top banana in the world today. Now you know the best. Bananas in the land. So don't slip up with an inferior brand. When it says cheeky, it's a very good day to buy banana. Hi, Grandma. What's for dinner? Hey, honey, I'm making stew tonight. Ooh, can Nina come over? I'm not sure about our new friend. I wonder if there's been any drinking going on. Alcohol at her age can lead to so many bad things. I've been meaning to ask you, what would happen if someone offered you a drink? Grandma! This is hard. She's so young. But I know I need to talk to her about it now before someone tries to give her alcohol. If anyone ever does offer you a drink, I want you to say no. I have too much respect for my family and I don't want to get in trouble. Okay. Really? I promise, Grandma. I love you too. Okay, how about tasting this stew and telling me what you think? Mm. Some children may try alcohol as young as nine years old. It's not too early to talk about drinking. For tips on how to begin the conversation, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. That's underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. This message brought to you by SAMHSA and this station. When the Jets-
job is done. This guy will be ready to dig into something mighty good to eat. Well, how do you handle a hungry man? The manhandler. One of the manhandlers is Campbell's vegetable beef. Gets a man-sized supper off to a good hot start. Mmm, good. The manhandler. If you talk and they will hear you. Every single time. Oh, we're getting killed. Yeah, well, Kyle's not here. How come? Kicked off the team. Didn't Tim tell you? Kyle's mother kids got caught drinking beer in the park a couple of nights ago. Really? Yeah. Zero tolerance. He's out for the season. Come on, it's the first offense, right? That we know of. But why should that matter? He knew not to drink. I've made it clear to Matt that's what we expect from him. What have you said to Tim? Um... Nothing really. You know, a lot of kids try it at this age, so... I... Yeah, well, a lot of kids don't try it, too. I'm not saying that Matt's going to be this perfect kid, but if I don't tell him what we expect and why he shouldn't drink, how's he going to know? You think kids that age really listen? <laughs> they never admit it, Bill, but they hear more than you think. Talk. They hear you. For more information about talking with kids about underage drinking, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. This is a presentation of Northeast Streaming Sports. Good morning. You're listening to the Mac and Jack Sports Show on Northeast, Northeast Streaming, Streaming Sports. Sports. Good morning, everybody, and welcome back to the Mac and Jack Sports Show. I'm your host, Mac, with your co-host, Jack Hirsch, live on Roku, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, uh, Instagram later. I mean, we're, we're all over the place, Jack, where we should be. Um, you know, Carter was very, very great in his analyst of all the games, all the matchups. I mean, uh, um, I can't wait to the playoffs start. We start getting into it and start having his takes on it and why a team lost and why they won. I mean, the NHL, of course, is not as big as the other three sports, but playoff time is exciting as heck. I mean, I don't know any other game. That's more exciting to go see than an NHL playoff game. I mean, the that Toronto has- Tampa Bay series intrigues me the most. Oh, man, yes. oh yes, I agree. I agree 100%. So let's get to some real basketball news. We kind of talked about the Nets and closed them up, but let's let's talk about the Celtics real quick. The Celtics, of course, swept the Nets. They have great, great team chemistry, Jack. They got a great defensive unit. Two stars that share the ball, but I mean, they take over the game when they have to, especially Tatum. Is your mind changed from, you know, we, I think we both took the Bucs to win it. They're playing the Bucs next. Do you think the Celtics are now the favorites to win this thing? Uh, yes. Yes, I do. Uh, Chris Middleton is out for Milwaukee and he, I mean, he's the number two man. I mean, far behind Giannis. I know some people might think through holidays a little more valuable. But Chris Middleton has been a rock. He's been the Robin to Giannis's Batman, especially last year when they won the NBA title. He's come up big in certain games. And that, that's a bad loss. I mean, the Celtics, I mean, they're just playing so well. 
I mean, Milwaukee's winning because they're good. You know, Holiday has come up really big, you know, helping run the offense. Giannis is Giannis. Robin Lopez has played well, you know, guys. They haven't used their bench a great deal, Milwaukee. But their starters have really been in sync. But something about the way the Celtics are playing, just watching the ball go to everyone. Everyone is getting involved in every way, shape, and form. And they're playing with a really good, good attitude. I mean, the Celtics are playing like basketball's fun. The Bucs are playing like they know they're good. But the Celtics are also playing like they're having a ton of fun out there. You know, like you get the feeling... If you tell the Celtic players, you're not going to get paid at all the rest of the season. All your money's done, but you could finish the playoffs if you want. And they'd enthusiastically finish it. And uh, I like the Celtics in that series. Is it going to be a tough series? Yeah, it's going to go at least six games. But I kind of like the Celtics. I think the tide has turned. You know, I really wish this was the conference final. I really wish this was the the, the, the end all. Because... No matter, I mean, the Celtics have played great, yes. and But there's one thing they don't have, and that's the Greek freak. And the Greek freak control a game when he takes over. I know the Bucks will play defense. The Nets did not play defense against the Celtics. I think the Bucks will play defense against them. I think Milwaukee wins in seven. Maybe you I know, don't know. It's last. not official that they're playing one another, Mac. What the happens Celtics- no, the Celtics and Bucks are playing, Jack. That's official. That's the game. Well, but but but, but it, no, no, the East isn't over yet. Uh, the Sixers up three two against Toronto, right? And it isn't Miami. Miami closed out the series, Jack. They won yeah, Miami closed out the series. Yeah, Miami's, Miami's, play, the one Miami, seed. Miami's playing either the 76ers or Toronto. Um, right, because you're the fourth seed. Yeah, right, my right. fault. My so fault. That, right, that right. Is, that is my that is going to, that. That's it's going to be the series. And I wish, yeah. as I said, I wish it was the conference yeah, finals. Back. Yeah. So uh, the, the, the Bucks, I think, still will win it. And I think they'll beat Miami or Toronto or the 76ers. If the Celtics do win it, if they do beat the Bucks, then me, I bet with the Celtics. I just don't think – I think the Bucks will play a defense that the Nets couldn't play or didn't want to play. And the Bucs – are do have great chem, team chemistry, and the one thing, as I said, you know, I know Tatum is a is a monster, but there's nobody to me, and you could keep KD if you want better in basketball right now than the Greek freak Giannis. Well, I know you you wish it was the conference finals, but keep this in mind: if the Sixers close out Toronto, which we think they'll do, but now with it three games to two. It's not a certainty. I mean, you know, the Sixers are kind of looking at potential disaster, but I would think that they would close Toronto out. That would be my thought. And if they do, them and Miami's a tough series. Yes. I mean, the Sixers don't run over them. So I, don't, I, so I feel that the winner of a Miami Sixers series, they could be a little bit emotionally drained as well. You know, I, I, I'm going to be honest with you, Jack. You know, I picked the 76ers to be in the conference finals versus the Bucks in the beginning of the year. I don't think the 70, even if they win, I don't think they get by Miami. I think Miami's just a better overall team, uh, especially with Embiid being hurt. Um, I know they'll give them drugs for, you know, the pain. But I, I just think Miami is very underrated. 
And I think Miami can beat the 76ers. I think they'll beat them in six games. I think the 76ers are in trouble. I really I do. Hate, I hate to look ahead. I hate to look ahead because they're still playing Toronto. Well, I know. I know. And, and, and that's the truth. I, I expect them to get by Toronto, too. I think they're better in Toronto. But let's say let's say we're both right. The 76ers get by Toronto. I don't know if they could beat my I don't think they could beat Miami, Jack. I really don't. I think they do beat Miami, and I think mm. the Celtics get by Milwaukee, and then I think the Celtics beat the 76ers. I, I, I mean, that's how, that's how I look at it right. at this moment. Right, right. But you can't hold me to it because that could actually change momentum, a slight injury here and there. Yeah, I, I just, I, there's something with the 76ers. I don't know what it is. They should have, they should have buried uh, Toronto two games ago. Well, now Embiid is saying Harden's got to be a little more aggressive. He wants do. Harden to score more. Imagine that. You're asking James Harden, the <laughs> ultimate scorer, to be more aggressive as far as scoring goes. I think, and I think, Harden I can't just fit in. I mean, Harden has no one holding him back now. The thing with James Harden, he's played poorly in big games throughout. And his I think career. I think you're right. I think that hamstring is still bothering him, Jack. Yeah, I really. Do. Not just yeah. the age. I think that hamstring is bothering him. I don't think he can get by that first person like he used to be able to. Um, I expect. Listen, I expect that Miami will be all over Harden if they get if they play. I think Miami will be all over Harden. Embiid will get what he can get. And unless the 76ers, unless the other team picks them up, uh, the other players in the team picks them up, I think Miami wins, beats the 76ers in six. I really do. I think Miami's just a better overall. Well, yeah, let's see with Maxi. I mean, Maxi and Harris. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, other guys have got to pick up the slack. But I'll say with James Harden with the hamstring, when you have that type of injury, it weighs on you psychologically. Because you're holding back just a bit because you're concerned that if you go all out 100%, you could re-injure it. So you're not quite the same. So in a certain sense, James Harden's happy to play point guard, bring the ball down the court, set the offense up, rather than, you know, have the ball in his hands and make the quick explosive move. Yeah. I Listen, Jack, you know, and if the 76ers – by chance, lose to Toronto or Miami, uh, Doc Rivers is not going to last the uh, – he won't be back next year. He won't. He well, won't something's going to have to happen because the their most valuable asset is Joe Lambeed. And Joe Lambeed is really starting to show discontent. When you're yeah. a superstar, you want to get that NBA title. You want it bad, or at least you want to feel – you're in the mix. You have a very good chance of winning it with the team you're at, with the personnel around you. And Joel Embiid might come to the conclusion, we're not going to win this with James Harden. He might, and I don't know how the two of them are getting along. Uh, if they're not close, he might be thinking, you know, James Harden and myself, I'm not having fun. You know, playing with him is my sidekick. We've seen it happen with other teams where one of the stars kind of feels a need to move on from the other one. I mean, it happened, remember, with OKC, with Durant yeah. and Westbrook. Yeah. There were constant conflicts. I mean, sometimes these stars kind of coexist. And this is Joe Lambeat's team. Let's not kid ourselves. No matter how well Harden plays, Embiid is the man. 
And if the Sixers think Embiid might seriously consider leaving and going elsewhere, for all we know at the end of the year, they trade James Harden. They see what possible. they can work out. Possible. But I, I think I think that Doc Rivers is the one. Either this is what's gonna happen. Either Doc Rivers goes or uh Harden goes. That the easiest goes. thing would be Doc Rivers. Mm -hmm. But you know, but I mean who would potentially replace Doc, Doc Rivers? That would but be a question as well. That Joe Lambeed would really enjoy playing for, and it's it's kind of like a tricky uh, a tricky thing to see who's I've, available. I've heard, Jack, I've heard the rumor of uh, the coach of the, the the Rockets. I'm I'm kind of drawing a blank now. Angie, Angel, I'm trying to remember his his name. The Rockets, um, yeah, yeah, I think, I, yeah, I'm, I'm having a little brain freeze, but he's the second year in the league. No, the big offensive, the, the offensive coach that was uh, uh, with the Rockets or at OKC, I'm trying to remember his name. Is it Mike Angio, Angio something? Oh, I'm trying Dan to Tony. There you go, Dan, Dan that's, Tony. The rumor, that's the rumor I've heard. Oh, he coached, you know what it is too, which could – and if you talk about Joe Lambeed being a little unhappy, D'Antoni, he coached James Harden at Houston. Right. And reportedly he had a very good relationship with James Harden. So right. Joe, and, and Daryl Murray, the Sixer GM, was the GM of Houston. Right. So he would right. be bringing back his own guy from Houston, like he brought Harden in. And Joel Embiid might say, "Hey, Houston is in the house. I'm not that happy with this. Possibly. The GM from Houston, the coach at Houston, James Harden, who I'm not maybe crazy about. And there could be some real discontent. But with that said, we don't know how Joel Embiid is really feeling right now. Right. We could speculate. We can guess. And this speculation is based on the Sixers getting eliminated by the next round not yeah. you know making a serious you know run to the championship it's based on that speculation because you can't see Joel Embiid feeling off oh, Philly is my town I'm happy to come back like all superstars the discontent has to set in if he's not in the mix to win a championship all right so so the West, real quick. Like this, the war. Tony, the former Nick coach, too, the former Phoenix yeah. Sun coach. Yeah. He was Steve That's Nash's coach. You know, he he was the assistant coach under Steve Nash with the Nets when yes. Nash first took over. So yes. he was, you know, Nash was his protege. Yes. It's, it's listen. That's the, the name I've been hearing thrown around a lot. Deion Tony is a no-nonsense guy, so maybe he would have been better off coaching the Nets and dealing with Kyrie. <laughs> maybe so. Um, West Jack, I think, is very simple. I think it's all about the Warriors. The Warriors are going to win that. Right now, they're the right now to me, they're the best team in the West. I don't think any team in the West right now could beat the Warriors at, at even at their best. They came ready for the playoffs, I'll tell you that. I mean, Phoenix was a team during the regular season. But keep this in mind, Mac. Devin Booker has been hurt. He might return by the next game. Good news that Devin Booker is going to be returning. They're up three games to two against New Orleans. New Orleans is hanging around. But this is without Devin Booker. Uh, they don't want it to go to a seventh game. Anything could happen in a seventh game. It's kind of scary. If it went to a seventh game... 
you'd have to assume Devin Booker would be back because if they're talking about him possibly being back for six games, if they're facing elimination, Devin Booker is going to have to be seriously injured not to play. So you have to think that Phoenix is going to win this series and close out New Orleans uh, perhaps, you know, by next game. But, you know, we'll see. And with Devin Booker, they get a chance to reset. You might look and say, well, Golden State beat a good Denver team four games to one. The Suns struggled to beat New Orleans in either six or let's say even seven games, which it might go to. But that's with Devin Booker out. They'll get to reset. And the Suns were clearly the best team during the year. The playoffs are a whole different situation. But uh, listen, the Warriors have the pedigree. Curry, Thompson, Draymond Green, you know, they have Poole. They have, you know, the players there. It's, you know, know, they have veteran players who've been through it before, who know what it takes, who could turn the switch on and off. And they play a decent defense too, Jack. They're not just a scoring team. They do have a decent defense, uh, the Warriors do. So, I I, 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 listen, I think it's the Warriors division – uh, playoffs to lose. They they uh, should I'm, win. I'm not, I'm not so quick to concede that to them. I'm really not. I mean, I do think it comes down between them and Phoenix. And Phoenix, like we said, was clearly the best team during the regular season. They're struggling a bit in the beginning of the playoffs, but I could see them turning it around and maybe being the same dominant team they were during the regular season. But you also you also got to remember that the, the the Warriors had a lot of injuries to key players. Clay Thompson didn't come back to what almost mid to three quarters of the way through the season. And well, Curry- I came back a little earlier than that. Clay Thompson's in good form now. But listen, when he was in good form, they were losing regular season games and they were slumping a little. Golden and Curry's been hurt too. So I mean, listen, I I. I I, I think well we'll see what happens. It should be a good it should be a good conference final. Yeah, I'll play Curry Jokic at the end of yesterday's yeah, yeah, game. They, and they, they surprised me how handily they beat the Denver Nuggets. I mean, there's nothing else Jokic could do. I mean, when he had he had triple doubles and high in each one of them. I mean, he, he almost single handedly won that game. I mean, well, Jokic uh, wants to stay with Denver. He said if they offer him a max extension, he'll take it. So yeah. uh, I think he's happy. Ways listen, Denver's kind of team caught in the middle in a way. They have a good team, but they just can't seem quite to make a run for the championship. But sometimes it's better to stay with a team like that, not just because of the money, because you feel maybe they can add just one more piece that could be a difference maker. Prime example was the Bucks, right? Giannis, people people had Giannis going to the Knicks even. They had him Uh, all over the place. And Giannis said, I want to stay here. And he's rewarded with a championship. The Knicks think every player is coming to play. The Knicks fans think everyone is coming to the Knicks. Because the Knicks, New York is so great. Eventually, Mac, eventually one guy will land with the Knicks. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Well, the Knicks are one of those teams they're caught in. Nowhere's land. They're not that bad. They really uh, aren't that bad, but they're not good enough to make any type of run towards a championship. So they're like, you know, Nowhere's if land. they built, if they had another playoff season, this, if they got in the playoffs and say they finished in the top eight, I think they might have had a shot at getting somebody. But after this year, Jack, it's it's all set. They're all set for another few years. 
Well, look, no, you know, it, it's it, it's about looking out. You're getting a player in the draft who makes a major impact, who you wouldn't necessarily expect to do it. I mean, that that's all it's about, like catching light in the bottle. That, that you know that's hurt. The Knicks are even unlucky in the draft, Jack. They, they can't even get it. It don't matter how bad your team is. They're lucky to get a first, a first round, a first pick in the in the uh, in the lottery too. I mean, they're just jinxed. They're no, just I jinxed. mean certain teams like, but that's exactly it. You get a lottery pick, you get the pick high, and you get a player that's a difference maker that turns it around. Listen, Maybe. the Pistons went first in the draft last year. They they took Kate Cunningham. A pretty good rookie. He was in contention for a rookie of the year. And but listen, ultimately, Scotty Barnes wanted Evan Mobley, who went to the Cavaliers. I mean, he made a big difference for the Cavaliers improving them. He's going to be a cornerstone player with that franchise. But the next, their most valuable asset, you can't, RJ Barrett, they can't really trade him away. Because if you trade them away, you know, you're weakening yourself by making yourself a little strong in another area. And yeah. I want to hear about Julius Randle. Who the heck's lining up for Julius Randle to give something substantial to the Knicks to really make them better? I mean, who? No, no. No, no. no I agree. I agree. I know you Russell Westbrook, you said so last year, Mac. You were saying what a mistake, Russell Westbrook with the Knicks. He would have done for the Knicks basically, you know, he wouldn't have he would have created a little excitement in the garden. Okay. He would have been, I think, a crowd favorite. Yeah. But the Knicks wouldn't have been much better. Yeah, it would like I said, it would have been a more it exciting. Been bad at all, but you yeah. Know. Yeah, yeah. So folks, we're gonna take our last break. We'll be back on either side. We'll be talking about some baseball and also, of course, we'll get to the NFL uh in, in our last part of the show. So stick with us. We'll be right back after these. Come on. There you go. After these messages, folks. I heard you want to be a Frito Bandido like me. You do. Then you must sing the Bandido song. Let's sing together. You just follow the bouncing Fritos corn chips bag. Ay, 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 ay. I am the Frito Bandido. Hey, I like Fritos corn chips. I love them, I do. I want Fritos corn chips. I'll get them from you. Ay, 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 ay. Oh, I am the Frito Bandido. Give me Fritos corn chips and I'll be your friend. The Frito Bandido, you must not offend. Now, boys and girls, you are Frito Bandidos too. You sing the Frito Bandido song, and you look for crunchy Fritos corn chips. That's nice. Munchy, 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 munchy Fritos corn chips. When you hear the word asthma, you probably think of shortness of breath, coughing, or inhalers. Lots of things can trigger asthma, but the fact is that asthma doesn't just attack, it can kill. But with proper medical management, asthma is controllable. If you experience shortness of breath, wheezing, tightness in your chest, or persistent nighttime coughing, you may have asthma. See your doctor and get the facts. You'll breathe easier. For more information, call 211 InfoLine. A message from the Connecticut Department of Public Health. Keeping Connecticut healthy. My baloney has a first name. It's O S C A R. My baloney has a second name. It's M A Y E R. 
Oh, I love to eat it every day. If you ask me, I'll say, 'Cause Oscar Mayer has a way with B L O G N A. Oscar Mayer, the first name in Bologna. How's that? We all make choices. When it comes to alcohol, kids make choices whether to drink or not. Bye, Dad. Bye, bye. Remember, I'm going to Alex's party tonight and sleeping over. Hey, Anne, have a seat for a second. Remind me about that party again. Alex is just. And adults make choices whether to talk about it. That's true of parents and every other trusted adult in a kid's life. Kids want to know our expectations when it comes to alcohol and other drugs. They want guidance and honest answers to their questions, and it makes a difference when the message is consistent and part of everyday conversations. So talk with your kids and help lead them on a positive path. Because when you talk, they hear you. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs. Visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. I mean, you can see right now without LeBron, Lakers are are struggling. Let me tell you about a team I hate. All right, I know the Dallas Cowboy fan is here, so I had to make sure he knew how much I hate. Oh, I'm ready. I've often said that the people who run baseball they try very hard to ruin it. I'm from Brooklyn. I don't have a problem saying it to his face. Good morning, everybody, and welcome back to the Mac and Jack Sports Show, our Thursday edition. I'm your host, Mac, with your co-host, Jack Hirsch, as we bring you our Thursday show here live on Roku, YouTube, and, of course, Facebook and Twitter. Jack, uh, a quick, quick highlight. We'll talk about it again at the end of the show, but we'll be having our second annual Drafts Northeast Stream, Streaming Sports Draft Special Watch Along, where we'll have uh, re- live reports. So far, I think we've got four reporters that will be coming live from Vegas on the draft floor. We'll be uh, joined by Keith Ang from TGI Sports, Robert Butler from Sportscope as our co-hosts, and we'll have great guests coming in. We've got uh, Larry Frank from Frankly Speaking Sports. we got Byron Williams, ex-New York Giants star wide receiver, and Dallas Cowboys legend Jim Jeffcoat. Uh, they'll be on while they're making their picks. We may have a couple more people that I'm working on, but that's what we got so far. Last year was a great show. I think this year is going to be better, Jack, as we break down the first round of the NFL draft. Mac, last year it was my pleasure to give my expert analysis. When you asked me when it came to Jets' turn on the clock, Jack, what do the Jets need? And I nailed it. I said the Jets need everything. Right. That's what they need. This year, you'll ask me, what do the Jets need? And I'll say the Jets need nearly everything. Right, right. Okay. So just a little bit more. 
are a little bit a little less. more. Yeah, we'll have to add a little more. Listen, it's an exciting draft. I mean, if you're a New York football fan, I mean, think of how exciting this is. New York teams get four picks in the first 10. Yeah. Four out of the first 10 picks go to New York teams. I mean, how exciting is that? I mean, after the first three players are selected, New York gets four out of the next seven. I mean, and the amazing part about it, some of the players we project who might be going to the Jets at four, the Giants five, could wind up at one or the other. That's what kind of like, and it's such an interesting draft. There's a lot of good quality in this draft, Mac, a lot. Not in the quarterback position to me. Not in the quarterback position, not in the running back position. You talk about about the offensive line and on the defensive side of the ball. There's a lot of quality there. Yeah, there is. Some good wide receivers. Some very good wide receivers. Uh, Right now, and we'll talk about it more tonight, of course, the first three projected picks or defensive ends right now in 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 mock drafts and that's i've never seen that yet i'm not never... sure I, I i you see i'll disagree i don't care what it says the first three picks are not going to be defensive ends. i don't know i don't know if i agree with Russia. Russia. I, don't, I don't know if i agree with you or not yet because all the first three picks the first three teams they all need impact defensive ends i'm not saying it's going to happen but just for that to be projected, I mean, just for the people to say that, uh, for the people doing the mock drafts to say that, it's a, is, is the first time I can ever remember. Normally it's quarterback or a wide receiver or, or, or something like that where, you know, you're looking at to, to a franchise quarterback position. This, this year's quarterback class, I didn't think last year's was that good compared to others. I think this one's even – Way worse. I mean, I, I think it's not even marginally uh, uh, close to last year. So it's going to be interesting. Um, the only teams that I know that in the top ten that are going to need a that need a quarterback that really need a quarterback is maybe the Carolina Panthers. So a quarterback might go in the top ten, but we'll see. This is going to be to me. This is going to be really interesting. I don't agree with everything the mock draft. Uh, uh, experts are saying either we're going to use one tonight, folks, for reference. But um, I've never even heard of that yet. Pass rushers being maybe in the top three. I've never heard of that. Mac, so, because it's not, it's not the reason you haven't heard of it. You're not going to hear about it tonight. There's so many good offensive linemen there, impact offensive mm-hmm. linemen. And that's the first three selections. That's where the teams are going to go. I mean, I don't think. I don't think Jacksonville, they just re-signed Cam Robinson, an offensive lineman on their team. So I don't think that they're going to address the offensive line. I mean, they're going to take one of the edge rushers. Uh, Travis Walker's up there, you know, you know, you know, highly rated as far as who's going to go. Uh, Travon Walker, I mean, and Hutchinson, you know, hit. Hutchinson's an interesting case because when the mock drafts began, everyone had him going number one. And now it's conceivable he could slip to number four. Conceivable. I don't think so. But if that happens, he's going to wind up with the New York Jets in all probability. 
at the very worst, the New York Giants would be going number five right behind. I, listen, Jets. listen, listen. I don't think Detroit takes an offensive lineman. I think Detroit's going to go after Ed Rusher, too. I think Hutchinson ends up there. Yeah, but, but they might go for Sauce Garner, okay? Mm, I Garner, great cornerback. Mm. So they'd be addressing their defense that way. Wilson. I don't think I don't think they go for an offensive lineman. They don't have, you know, and Jared Joff, they don't have that franchise quarterback who you're so intent on protecting the same way like the Bengals would with, let's say, a Joe Burrow or the Chiefs would with a Patrick Mahomes. Somehow it's a little different. Carolina, I mean, that's intriguing. They need a quarterback. I don't see a quarterback in this draft with that value. If Carolina, let's say when they go number six, takes Kenny Pickett or or whoever, or you know, it, it just, uh, Malik Willis, it, it just wouldn't make sense at number six because you could trade down and probably get one of those guys later on, unless a team absolutely falls in love with a player. Sometimes that happens, Mac. They don't want to fool around. They might think we might be able to get them later on if we trade down. There's a good chance we will, but there's not a certainty. We're not playing around. We're just taking them here. And they kind of overreach a little bit because they really love that player. Listen, the Panthers owner, you know, he's talking about Coach Rule and, you know, and Sam Donald as his quarterback saying he's happy with them. With Sam Donald, it's amazing, Mac. He's had like his, uh, what, five years in the league? And uh, four years in the league, I mean. And the jury is still out on him. Is Sam Donald the guy enough? We're hearing the same talk with the Panthers that we heard with the Jets. They're not quite 100% ready to move on from Sam, Do Sam Donald, the Panthers. But they're getting close to that point. It's like he has a short leash. It's not like well, he's given the whole season, but I just well, don't see anyone in this well, he does, the answer. He does have a big contract right now. They signed him for quite a bit of money. A rookie quarterback, they're not going to spend a lot of for money. One on year, him. but it's it's one year. It's not beyond this year. Still, still, I mean, I think he would, even if they picked up a quarterback, that quarterback may not start this year. They may let Donald start. Oh, Donald would year. start. Donald absolutely yes. would start. So, so. I mean, I think, I think that, I, I think it's going to happen, Jack. We'll see. I mean, Mac, Mac, so Mac, 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 Mac. You take a guy number six overall in the draft, number mm -hmm. six. Yeah. That means you're obligated to start him in the no, future. No, he it has don't, Jack. No, a, it, yes, no, it, it does. No, it you don't. Don't take a guy that hard. Listen, Jack. We've argued this too. We're both blue in the face. That does not mean that, especially a quarterback. That does not mean that. That means that you think that's your, your franchise quarterback of the future. That's what it means. Now, you can say whatever you want. I, I, well, that's argue what I mean. You're obligated to start him. He's your franchise. No, that is your franchise quarterback of the future. That doesn't mean you have to start him right away, Jack. Oh, no, no, not mean. right away. Not that right. season. No, no, no. He can sit a year. Yeah, Sometimes he might have to sit more than one year if your incumbent starter is playing really well. But what it means is you're looking to get him in as your starter. The yeah, first yeah, realistic chance he can. The 49ers with Garoppolo and Trey Lance are a perfect example. Trey Lance still had a little bit of a learning curve. He got, he got injured. 
Garoppolo was playing well for the 49ers. So they were holding off for Trey Lance. The Niners had a successful year last year. They nearly went to the Super Bowl. And Garoppolo still with the Niners. But guess what? The Niners are on the verge of making Trey Lance their starter. Because they drafted know. him so I don't know a good idea. I'll tell you, Jack, honest to God, I don't even know if that's a good idea this year. If they if they put Trey Lance at the start of this year and don't start Garoppolo, I don't I don't know what's gonna happen to the 49ers. I don't know if Trey Lance is is we don't even know if he's capable of starting. I haven't seen enough of him. So I, well, I don't know. The problem with Garoppolo, it's not easy to trade him <clears throat> because any team signing Garoppolo. It's not just a question of what they're going to have to give up, but they're going to have to invest in a mega contract for Jimmy Garoppolo. And in all honesty, he's not that good to be paid like one of the great quarterbacks in the league. He isn't. Let's be honest. He's a good quarterback, but he'd have to be paid like he was a star quarterback. And teams don't want to go there with that. And I certainly wouldn't. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't, I don't know. Stuff. I don't know what his annual salary is right now, Jack. I'm not, I, I, I don't have that in front of me, but um, I, I know he's not being paid as much as uh, the top, top quarterbacks in the league. I know that. I know he's not making that amount of money. I think it's in the 20s somewhere. I don't think he's making 30 something million a year. But you'd have to invest that money in him to hold on to him on a long term deal. Well, I, what he's, what has he got? Two years left? Three years left. What does he got left? I'm not sure what he has left, but I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you, you can't say with an absolute certainty you get Jimmy Garoppolo that he's gonna be a quarterback in two years. You just you just can't say it's it's hard to make that investment. If you have a really good team and all the pieces in place and all you need is the quarterback, of course he could win with Garoppolo. You you wouldn't mind having him there. But it, 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 it's a very tricky investment. That's why you see these teams going with these young quarterbacks like the Bears with Justin Fields. They gave up an extra number one draft pick last year just to move down with, so they could draft Justin Fields. So the Giants got that pick. And now that's the number seven pick overall. And that's a valuable, valuable pick. I, you know, I and honestly, I don't know if Fields is the answer either. I I, I don't, don't know. know. If he is. Exactly. No, I don't, I don't know. Um, but think about the position the 49ers are in right now, right? There's rumors they may trade Debo. I don't think it's going to happen, but say it does. They got Garoppolo they could trade. I mean, can you imagine if they get rid of both of them tonight? If they trade both of them tonight, how that would mess up the whole draft. Because you know the 49ers are going to get first-rounders for uh, Debo Smith, I mean Debo Samuels. They would probably get a first-rounder for Jimmy Garoppolo, I would think, or at least a second-rounder. If the 49ers do move those two players, which is possible, that whole draft is, 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 is all screwed up. Interesting. Well, stuff. I can tell you, if he's going to go anywhere – Depot, it would be to a team like the Green Bay Packers. The Packers have two picks in the 20s. If they gave those two picks to those two number one draft choices, a number one next year and a number two next year, maybe that gets it done. Maybe. Okay. Yeah. And he's the type of player 
who could conceivably push the Packers over the top because the Packers would be in a win-now mentality. They'll do whatever it takes to win now. Agreed. Okay, maybe, maybe, yeah. I mean, that Agreed. would be the only the only Agreed. way I could I yeah, agree. something like that. I'm, I'm and and with the Panthers, I mean, you know, Garoppolo has that injured, injured shoulder. Would the Panthers take Garoppolo for the six-round pick? No, he, no, no, they wouldn't do it. That would, they would be foolish. The Panthers would be complete fools to do that. Well, it was good. We're saying Darnold's going to play anyway this year. Have Garoppolo ready to come in soon as he's, soon as he's, soon it, as he's it would make no sense. It would make no sense from the Panthers' viewpoint. I don't know. I don't know. He's better. He's better. He's better than Sam Darnold. He's better than Sam Darnold, but they're not a contending team. And to invest in a major contract like well, that, we weren't. We were in the beginning of last year. We were saying Carolina was a contending team, Jack. If you remember, they were three and zero to start the yeah. year. But they were doing it with a great defense. I agree. I agree. Listen, and the Panthers had an injury to their cornerback Horn last year, who was their number one pick in the draft, number eight overall. He was out for the year. So imagine they get to uh, uh, draft Ahmed Garner this year, who's considered the best cornerback in the draft, along with Darrell Stingley. And you put Garner and Horn, who's coming back, you have outstanding coverage in the corners. I mean, that really is the direction, you know, they should be looking at. And, and, and McCaffrey, McCaffrey's hanging out there too. On, I mean, on offense, yeah. There, there's, yeah. There's a, listen, there's a lot of things that could happen. I would imagine the Giants trade, Bradbury will be in trade, will, will be in transition too. Well, he's journey. not going to get much on the draft. But, you know, these deals you're speculating about, they have to take place by tonight. Right. Because and if can. they don't take place by tonight, it's highly unlikely Debo gets traded. They're of not they're likely to trade him for next year's draft. Of course, of course, Jack. But all this stuff is possible. It's not probable, but it it's is possible. possible. Yeah, it's yeah. possible. I don't think Debo's going anywhere. I think he's unhappy. I think the Niners make nice with him <laughs> and see what well, they could know. work out with the contract. The 49ers really don't have to do anything. They could just tell him to play and shut up. He's got two. They guys. might. They might. We'll see. We'll see how it plays out. I yeah. mean, uh, well, you folks, know, listen, we're gonna have Kyler Murray, the Arizona kind of ex picked up his option for an extra year beyond this yeah. one. He was having a hissy fit. So, well, listen, isn't that telling though? I mean, they didn't sign him to an extension, so they, they really don't believe in him. No, I, yeah, I, well, they're smart. How can they believe in him with the attitude? He hasn't been acting like a leader. It's it, Jack, they're the NFL is crazy right now. It's almost impossible to follow. And, and there's a lot of things that are being done that makes no sense to me. And I would be surprised if there's things that happen tonight that don't make sense to me, but happen anyway. Someone's going so, to trade down. I have a feeling, yeah, it might happen with the New York, one of the New York teams here. I don't think so, down. Jack. I don't think they're trading anywhere. I think they're going to take their, their picks right there. The only one I see maybe trading down that might trade down a little bit would be a little farther down the line. I could see the Cowboys trading out because the top 15, they're in 24th. I could see them trading down. Well, I don't know what they have to give to trade down much, you know. Well, they got they got future draft picks and, and draft picks there. I don't know. Well, the Cowboys would move up. They wouldn't be trading down. No, I could see them. I could see them trading there. I can see them trading their 24th pick to move down. I could see them do that. I could see them do that. I, I, they couldn't move down too far. Well, depends on what they offer for the next year or how many rounds they offer. We'll see. We'll see what happens. It'll be interesting. Um, 
So a lot more talk like this tonight, folks, and more uh, different opinions and, and different guests. And like I said, live reports right from the floor in Vegas. So let's talk a little bit baseball in the last segment here, Jack. And this is the first time I gave this. I'm giving the standings. We're almost 20 games in, even though it's relatively early. These games you can't give back. So there's teams that are really surprisingly out to a slow start and some teams that are out to a quicker start than we thought. So let's take a look really quick at the uh, American League East. We'll start with you got the Yankees sitting at first right now at 12 and six. The Blue Jays at 12 and seven. The Rays at 10 and seven. The Sox at eight and 11 and Baltimore at six and 12. In the Central, you got Minnesota at 10 and eight. Chicago at 7 and 10, Cleveland at 7 and 11, Kansas City and Detroit both uh, at, well, KC at 6 and 10, Detroit at 6 and 9. In the West, the Angels are in first, 12 and 7, followed by Seattle at 11 and 7, the A's at 10 and 9, Houston at 9 and 9, and Texas at 6 and 12. So, any surprises one way or another so far in the American League, Jack? That, that you you didn't think what happened right away that might be concerning uh, coming up in the next, say, 10 or 20 games. You're right, Mac. It's still early. The Yankees have been actually a pleasant surprise. I mean, they've done what they've had to do. Their bullpen has been really good. Uh, Garrett Cole East concerns a little bit, okay, with his last outing in which he was really, really good. So at least it's keeping the critics at bay for the time being. And yeah. uh, Chapman has been, you know, with the as a close, has done what he's had to do. Anthony Rizzo is really, I mean, I don't want to say he's had a resurgence, but any thought of Anthony Rizzo maybe declining, you know, maybe that's been a little premature. DJ LeMayo seems to be back to his old yep. self. You know, right now, you know, they're having a little problem staying in the outfield, okay? LaCastro and Gallo, and uh, they could still use Gaudy, guys. They could still have used Gaudy, you know, in a uniform there. I mean, he would have been a better fit than LaCastro, in my view. Uh, Gleyber Torres, give him, you know, at second, give him time. I mean, he's going to come around. I, I, I actually, I'm in this corner. I think he's going to have a good year. The Yankees have been a pleasant surprise. But with that said, I'm not completely sold yet, Mac. 18 games into the season, we're what, like about 12% into the season? Yeah. It's a long way to go. I'm not really sold. But, you know, you got to be very pleased, I think, if you're the Yankees, the way they're doing. And, listen, teams sl start slow and then they actually come on. You know, the Mets having the best record in baseball. Well, let's stay, stay in America. Let's stay in the American League for a minute. Stay in America. The Red Sox. The Red Sox. What are they? Eight and eleven right now. You would think the Red Sox would straighten out somewhat, but you look at the teams that have a so-so record. The teams that have a good record. It's only a few games difference in the standings. It could change drastically in one home stand. One team loses four in a row. Another wins four in a row. And then you look up and you see it's really changed. You sure. know what made me chuckle a little bit, Mac? <clears throat> when you mentioned the Texas Rangers are 6 and 12, they signed Corey Seager to a ridiculous 10 year, $325 million contract. 
Do you realize they offered him more money per year, Texas, $2 million per year more than the Yankees were offering Aaron Judge? And in what difference is it going to make for Texas? They're going to be stuck with this massive, crazy contract with Corey Seager. I just don't understand these teams, you know, the commitment. They didn't learn when they gave a, even A-Rod the 10-year deal. They they eventually tried to get out from under that, and they did. Well, my, 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 my biggest surprise is the Yankees pitching staff overall. I mean, with Nestor, listen, this Nestor's guy has been great. This this guy is the ace right now, Jack. And it it you know he found the cutter off off season. He learned to develop a cutter by working on his craft, and he throws about 90, 92 miles an hour. But he has such a crazy delivery that the batters really can't pick it up. And with that cutter, I mean, he's he's throwing strikes. And uh, right now, he's the Yankees. A. Severino has looked really good. Um, Clay has looked really good. Um, you know, I mean, their their pitching staff overall to me is 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 a big surprise. I think that's what's going to be the Yankees' saving grace this year. Uh, once the bats start, well, great. Uh, uh, it, it'll be even better. Um, everybody counted the Rays out this year. A lot of people thought the Rays were going to fall off. They really haven't fallen off that much, Jack. I think no, the no, race really, the teams are bunched together, Matt. They really are bunched I think together East, now. Well, I think the East has four of the best teams in the league. I, I told you about Seattle. I think Seattle, the games they've lost have been very close. I think they're going to have a good, really good year this year. And the Astros, who normally get out to a quick start, haven't yet. Um, they kind of fade in the middle, come back at the end. I don't know if Houston's going to win that division this year, Jack. I really don't. So those are the kind of things I, I've been looking at in the American League. In the National League, you brought up the Mets, the best record in baseball. Their pitching has been outstanding, not just Scherzer. The uh, the other members of their pitching staff have really kicked it in. Their, their relievers are good. The coach has them playing good fundamental baseball. Their offense looks very good this year. I think I, I don't think it's too early to say that the Mets, you know, I thought the Phillies were winning. I don't think it's too early to say, unless barring – a drastic injury uh, through the Mets' whole system that the Mets have the best shot of winning the East that year. I think the Braves, I said it in the beginning, were going to fall off a little bit. Not that they're going to have a bad team. I just don't think that they're going to have the team they had last year at the end just get barely getting in. I don't think they get in. I don't see the I don't see the Braves as a threat like everybody saw this year coming out right away. I think the Mets, uh, the Braves may compete with the Phillies for a wild card. We'll see. But I really think the Mets have a team that's built uh, to run the whole year through, Jack. I think they really got a good team. And I then you got last year, Mac. The Mets were yeah. in first place, a good part of the year. Different, and, different. you know, that just fell a little. It is a different year, and the Mets are going to be better this year. Different team. You know, when different you keep coach, making moves, it pays team. off. I mean, Jack, you got one of the best coaches in the history of baseball. I'm not saying managers for baseball, right, right, right. Mm -hmm. And then you and and you and you got a legitimate. Wait, 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 Mac, Mac. I mean, be realistic. Buck Showalter, one of the one of one of one of. Based on what he hasn't had one World, he hasn't gone to a World Series. Based off his record, Jack. Based off his record. I mean, mean, he's. He's, he's, if you put his record against some of the greatest managers 
in the history of baseball. I know he hasn't won a World Series and he hasn't won a championship. I understand that. But if you just look at his record, his record's up there. I think I think he's a Hall of Fame. I think he'll be a Hall of Famer when all is said and done. I think so. We'll Listen, see. He, you know, he I mean, went from the Yankees, the Orioles, Arizona, you know, the Mets. Uh Built Listen, he had success. He had some success at Arizona. Yeah. He had some, he had, you know, he had success on balance in at Baltimore on yeah. balance, but nothing yeah. great. Listen, oh, I'm not, he listen. had success <laughs> with the Yankees, you know, and that got no, to the playoffs. Yeah, he's, he's no Casey Stangle. I'm not putting him in that category. Trust me, I'm not doing that. He's no Casey Stangle. He's no, uh, he's no, he's no, uh, I mean, uh, yeah, you're a little carried away. One of the best managers in the history of baseball. I think so. I think so. Getting, based off of, getting a bit they, carried away. Listen, a lot has to do with image. Buck Showalter has this great image as a knowledgeable guy, uh, you know, disciplinarian. He has that certain look. Don't yeah. get caught up in the image. He's a good manager. Let, let's see what he does with the Mets. Okay. Yeah. This year, yeah. they got off to a wonderful start. He's helped change the culture. The Mets have had culture problems with yes. their managers. Yes. And it turns out to be a good hiring thus far. But let's say the Mets had decided they were going to hire Carlos Beltran. I'll be honest about it. If Carlos Beltran were the Met manager now instead of Showalter, they'd be doing the same thing. No, 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 no. Not even close, Jack. Beltran never managed anybody. So that doesn't mean he can't be successful? Yeah, a manage can't be successful. Okay, so if a guy has managed before and he hasn't and he hasn't been a successful manager, you want him because he's managed before. No, I didn't. Did I say that? I said he wouldn't manage as good as Buck Showalter. That's all I'm saying. He's, he does. Well, he doesn't well, have I mean, my feeling is, yeah, they would. Just like I feel, had Buck Showalter continued on as manager the Yankees instead of Joe Torre, they would have won the World Series as well. Not okay? as many. Maybe, maybe not we'll, as many. We'll never know. We'll never know. But for, to say that Beltran would be just as good as Buck, Buck Showalter, there's no evidence of that. Well, there's no, no evidence he wouldn't be. Well, yeah, there is. He's never managed. His record That's is 0 0. He wouldn't be successful. He's 0 0, Jack. Okay. okay. He never managed. It means he hasn't had losers. He hasn't yeah. had a lack of success because he's never but, managed. So he hasn't experienced yeah, but, but the I think negativity base, I think you, that Show has. I think you base uh, how good a manager is off his wins, Jack. That's what I think. I and think you don't do it off the losses. You just do it off so. the wins. That's I, I a, think so. I, that's a I, deal I like. I mean, I think so. it's like going I to mean, a casino. You I can mean, only win like money. Casino. You can't lose money. That's like, but that's you, like, leave, you leave the casino and you haven't won, you know, at least you haven't lost. I like that's that. Like, well, you didn't do anything. Then. That's like saying Steve Nash would be a great head coach of the uh, uh, Brooklyn Nets, Jack. Steve Nash. Well, Steve Nash. Sure. I mean, that's... Steve, how about Steve Nash for Doc Rivers if the Sixers uh, you know. get eliminated? How about well, I that? Mean, you're, you're saying you're yeah. saying that uh, it doesn't matter whether you manage before. It doesn't matter. Um, you wait, 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 wait. Uh, wait, that's not fair. Steve Nash has hasn't coached the Nets yet. Right, right, Kyrie Irving is the coach of the team. Uh, that's Steve true. Steve Nash that's has true. the official title on the letterhead. Right. right. Yeah. There you go. So, folks. We're gonna run out of time. We'll we'll be back, and of course, we'll talk a little baseball, more baseball. I got to get out of here. I got to go do a couple things and get ready for the big draft show tonight. Remember, folks, seven thirty. 
on Roku, YouTube, and some other outlets on Northeast Streaming Sports. The Big Draft, our second annual draft watch along. Started at 7.30 with yours truly, Jack, Keith Angle, and Robert Butler, reporters from the floor, special guests. It'll be a great time. And listen, you'll get to give your reactions, your thoughts, and your comments while the show is going. So, you know, it's not just watching. You're watching along with us. So we'll see you tonight at 7.30, folks. Have a great rest of your day. And tune in tonight to Northeast Streaming Sports for our second annual draft show. Have a good one. Good night. Good, good morning. Good something, Jack. See you tonight.